0: Right, right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast for Tuesday, February 11th. I'm Doug Norrie, and over there is James, James Davis. And we are coming at you with a five-game NBA slate for FanDuel and DraftKings. Some interesting stuff to talk about on the injury front. Uh, some teams sort of go in weird directions. I don't know if, like, it's a little weird about the NBA this year because I do feel in some ways that outside of, like, one spot, the playoffs are kind of just set? Like, do you get that feeling? I hate that because I feel like it maybe drives down interest, but, like, the East is basically all but set from a from a playoff perspective, and it's weird, but, like, the, the West is kind of getting there, too, with really only one spot in doubt. Like, do you think that, like, harms the product to – or that most fans are just waiting for the playoffs anyway? Like, I'm not sure how – because I'm not just a net, I'm not a standard NBA fan, so i sometimes get a little I wonder a little bit about why how like my interest will never wane because we have DFS and we have you know I I I do a Nets podcast so like I'm 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 fine, but I just I also wonder a little bit about your your average fan if that kind of certainty I mean we haven't even hit the All Star break yet right that's not until next week and it's kind of just shuffling around for seeding. Or who's gonna get a good pick in what's supposed to be a bad draft. Right? Like I don't like I don't really know. (laughs) It feels a little bit like the intrigue for the NBA season isn't going to even come for like three more months. And I just don't know how that I just don't I just wonder about that from a product standpoint.
1: Yeah, I think there is there's gotta be some amount of issue there, right? Because even like in season storylines I feel like are relatively lacking this year. So we had the big burst of, hey, it's the beginning of the season, all these guys switch teams. Like let's see how it all comes together and it did, but there's also this piece of like, I think the resting the stars honestly hurts quite a bit yep. too, because you can't even count on, like if you're a casual fan, again, if you're not sitting there refreshing who's starting, who's playing, you're not on basketball monster, checking the reports first thing in the morning, the way we are, then you might not even know like, oh man, I just made this like Bucks Pelicans game, appointment television and Giannis and Zion, neither one of them are yep. playing like, cool. Like that, that, that was a good use of my time. And you only have to get burned a couple times like that. Uh, You know, the Clippers are the same way. They're like, oh, it's a new big two. It's like, oh, yeah, but neither of them is playing. It's like, you know, Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell. Right. And I think that that definitely decreases interest. I mean, from a from my level of basketball, (laughs) I'm actually very intrigued by this season. I think the storylines are pretty incredible. Like, you know, Milwaukee's historic run. I think the Raptors, you know, 15 straight right now. And just without Kawhi, like the fact that they kind of pieced together. By the way, without Kawhi and basically Kawhi without I mean,
0: one of their best players per night. Like they've gone through They've times, gone through this yeah. carousel of injuries where like literally every single guy, every other relevant guy in that lineup has been hurt at least once this year for multiple games. Right? Like they've... Sure. And they ha- have, they, have
1: they even had Gasol for any of it? Yeah, they've <laughs> like had... Maybe they, the first couple I don't games?
0: think... I, I got to look at how many minutes the actual start... Those actual five have played together. It's got to be very mm-hmm. minimal. But yeah, o- overall... Right. no, I it's not see, I'm not talking about myself when it comes to these storylines. I'm again I'm I'm engaged every single night. I love it. Like and so i just want, I just more wonder about like sort of the casual person, like if it's if, if it yeah. if it rates as a good product, or if it's just like, well, nothing is really gonna happen here if like if Philly and Miami play, one wins, one loses, and they jockey around the fourth and fifth seeds, like not, they're not going anywhere, right? <laughs> like even like Indiana, who's lost six in a row since Old Depot's come back. Right, they'd have to
1: lose another ten. They're in just a not. Row.
0: They're going yeah. to make the playoffs. These teams are so Fall out bad. Of the playoffs, like the yeah. Chicago, like Detroit is guy. Detroit might not win another game. Like there's like some of these teams are just so bad. So anyway, I don't know. I, I didn't really have any great thought about it except to say I it's just that it just it makes for an interesting product and it'll make the playoff. I think the playoffs are going to be great because the playoffs is just, is a true we don't know what's going to happen scenario. But that's still many months down the line. Like I said, we have not even hit the All Star break yet. Let's
1: roll through. I think there's stuff there's stuff too in the West. I, I, just to put a bow on it, I think the battle over that 8th seed actually is pretty interesting. You have some real teams, uh, some cool storylines. Memphis, you know, like, will they squeak in as an eight seed, which I think would be significant for them and their young core? Will, like, last year's Western Conference Finals team in Portland not make it? Uh, San Antonio would be the first time they missed the playoffs. New Orleans, now they're kind of surging, uh, now that they have everyone together. So I think there's stuff going on. But, yeah, I, if you're not, like, a league pass, you know, die hard, then I get why. I get why you wouldn't you wouldn't just tune in on a random Thursday night for the primetime games because it just kind of feels – these games seem to happen in isolation from one another, right? It's like for a casual fan, I imagine it doesn't feel that – Yeah, I think
0: that that, that kind of sums it up, I think. Um, it's just that – yeah, right. Are, are you just tuning in as appointment television? I'm just not totally sure. And some of the teams you just mentioned uh, in, that, in the West are playing tonight, so we'll talk about them a little bit as we go along. The first game is the Clippers and the Sixers. This game started as a uh, Sixers a slight favorites. Um, oh no, excuse me. It started as uh, Clippers minus one favorites, and now it's up to minus one and a half on the road. They are going to be fully healthy with Kawhi coming back after sitting the back to back PGs playing. I take it back. They're they are without Patrick Beverly here, but on a an, and Paul
1: George still on a minutes limit too. Okay,
0: and so I, I guess my question is when when we get a situation like that, Philly's still very good at defense, very good on defense, very long. They're getting healthier. Do we? I'm kind of on the mind where it's like if everyone's around, and I don't count Patrick Beverly as, this, as a part of that group. I guess I, I no. count Kawhi and PG really as the group, and to a lesser extent Lou Will and, and Montrezl. But, and they've added Marcus Morris. I, this to me feels, the Clippers feel when everyone's around that I just am not all that interested in what they're going to put out fantasy-wise. And that can be wrong sometimes because Kawhi has some peak games in them. But uh, what are your thoughts here on L.A.? And then we can talk a little bit about the Sixers.
1: Yeah, so the path to DFS relevance for this game, which I think is, uh, you know, potentially a little bit more than you implied, was that this game should be close, and I think that's mattered for both of these teams. You know, well the, the Clippers in particular that uh, are just a very, very good team, and they're very deep, and they just don't need to play their good players very many minutes uh, in many of these games because their second unit is so good, and so on. Uh, in a game that should be pretty close, I think that someone like Kawhi could be playable because. I think they'll need his defense and his length uh, coming back the other way. And if this game is really a one and a half two point game, then I think you could see him hit the upper end of his minutes because Clippers are very quick to pull him after 27 to 30 minutes. But you do see 36, 37 minute games as you scroll down over the last month or so of game logs. So uh, if you think he's a true talent, $10,000 guy, maybe you squeeze him in. But I think ultimately, maybe that's even just a big tournament kind of concept, right? It's like stack both sides of this game and hope for overtime or something because I think you're probably right that there's just plenty of other options in these other games. Yeah, these other games just have
0: not good defenses on them and are very fast-paced, and I think that's probably where we end up landing. The the Sixers have Josh Richardson back. He's still on a minute's limit. I'm only saying that because – in his wake, we or in his stead, what is that? In his stead, in his wake. Whenever he's not, whatever the word is, when he's not around, they did kind of run some of these stead, stead. Sounds okay. good to me. They ran some of these like Shake Milton, four can, miles minutes, but um, that those are kind of going by the wayside. And Bede's price has dropped, has just really dropped. Like he's had some struggles since coming back from the hand injury, and I'm just not sure this is the spot that we really want to play them. Real quick, crazy stat about Philly, and this has been like this is not news for Philly fans. They're they have the very best home record this year, twenty four and two at home, and they are seven and nineteen on the road. (laughs) Like it's just crazy, crazy home splits for the home. That that feels probably very noisy, and it's so crazy different. How much better they are at home than they are on the road. Like I don't do you make anything of stats like that, or do you think that like that's just such a massive difference for a team that's pretty good? I just I'd never know what to make of it.
1: Yeah, I would want to look at like. How many like how many of those games did Embiid sit on the road or right. you know what I mean like I think there are some other factors that could play into that aside from just random statistical noise but yeah the fa- I mean I'd say it's wide enough that you can probably infer something from it right I mean being 24 and two at home and then just being absolutely dog poop awful to save our sponsors there for a second is uh is it's, it's telling them something and it's kind of funny too because as they shape, shape up for the playoffs the fact that they have such a good home court advantage this season but have been so terrible on the road means they probably won't play in that many home games which is yeah that's
0: fourth maybe them. that fourth and fifth seed swap for them in Miami probably maybe does make a difference like they might be very motivated to make sure at least that first that first uh, set of games is on is at home rather than on the road well Miami
1: 22 and 3 at home this season too so um, they're another team that's actually played out pretty similar. The
0: other seven o'clock game is Chicago and the Wizards. This game has a 230 over under that open it opened at 230. Um and now it's down to 229. You know, the Wizards, we've seen it. The Wizards have given up just a buttload of points this season. They gave up one fifty-one the other night to the Bucks who did, were playing without Giannis. Um, this is just this not every night with to this team, but they have just let up a massive amount of points. I, don't, I wrote up Zach Levine on this slate because I just think you know Chicago, for some of its injury issues, I do think that he has, if in games stay close, he has like that 38 to 39-minute upside that we just don't see from a ton of players, although there are a few more on this slate than, than others. Thoughts on Chicago, guys? They are priced up a little bit. I think DFS sites have started to come around a little bit on when you have the Washington matchup because it's so choice that um, – I think that you just have to kind of get, get these guys' price bump up a little bit. So Levine right now not showing up on our lineups, and I could see a situation where he's a very popular play here because it's just not lost on people just how bad Washington is or just how many points they let up uh, on a night-to-night basis to opposing really everybody's.
1: Yeah, so I, I would say I can see a lot of Chicago guys being viable tonight. Uh, Chandler Hutchinson's another guy, even Thaddeus Young, Sadaransky. Chicago is uh, one of these teams that also has a difficult time playing in close games just because they're so damn terrible. But when they're up against another terrible team in Washington, you could see the peak minutes come out of these guys. These guys right now battling for that ninth ninth seed in the East too, uh, separated by just one game (laughs) in the the ninth spot. Um, But I, I do think that they will try their best. And if they do, I think the Chicago guys and the Washington guys going the other way will play the upper end of their minutes, which is sort of unusual for them. So I do think these Chicago guys, they're priced up, but I think it's probably appropriate.
0: Yeah, I like Levine. Um, like I said, he's nine, a little expensive on FanDuel at 9000 I like the 8000 ish price tag that you get on DraftKings. A little bit better there, 8200 I think he'll probably be a pretty popular DraftKings play at that price, um, just because I think there's it's, it'd be really hard to see yourself getting absolutely murdered. For him, he's also shot really poorly from three over the last four games, which has dropped the price a little bit. Like he's made like two of his last 18 or something like that. Um, just from beyond the arc, that's just not, doesn't, outside of last game, the four previous games is when he had shot really poorly. And I'm with you on the guys like Young. And I wrote up Hutchinson as well as just sort of that middle tier cheap guy has seen decent usage since entering the starting lineup, like getting up more than double digit shots a game on, on average, which is not easy to do when you share the court with Levine. So um, I think overall, I. Like Chicago, and I'm a little worried about their price bump now, Washington, we talked about these guys at length at just they just remain impossible to get a handle on i there's just no there's no way except for Beal. Uh, and even in his minutes haven't been crazy out of the box lately after it just doesn't matter who starts. they're getting healthier, like Wagner's back now, uh, Bertanz comes in and plays thirty minutes off the bench. Troy Brown gets more minutes than some of the starters. I just don't know. I mean, I I just feel like I'm a broken record with the Wizards. They're just, I you have to throw your hands up in the air and just not even know, like Roy Hachimura, maybe thirty minutes. I don't know. Like, I, any thoughts here on Washington? Like, I they just they they remain a team that I just don't even want to touch outside of Beal.
1: Yeah, Beal's the main guy for me. Uh, we've seen Troy Brown get quite a lot of DFS ownership, and I suspect he could get some tonight too. Uh, people are just, I don't know, just to a fault in my opinion, uh, bullish on his DFS prospects. And we played him very, very little outside of that time that he was starting. So I would I would caution against it. I don't think you need to take a risk like that. Uh, this is a good matchup going the other way, especially for the Washington bigs. You know, like Davis, someone like Davis Bertans playing 30 to 32 minutes. Chicago's been the very worst team in the league against opposing power forwards and centers this year. And that's in spite of not playing a super fast pace. So the fact that they're allowing so many fantasy points to these opposing bigs, you know, leads you to want to at least speculate. But uh, it's not like... Outside of Thomas Bryant, the Washington bigs have been all that inspiring. So I'm considering Bertans. Maybe that's a big tournament play. Uh, But like I said, I think Beal, obviously the crown jewel here.
0: Yeah, like Mahemny starts, they play 19 minutes, right? They play, they come in and play. Bertans, like it just, it just. Yeah, Wagner's
1: healthy again. It's, yeah,
0: like he's been playing, tricky. he's been getting minutes, but they're off the bench. And one of these guys come off and the Wizards are like the one team where like if a guy comes off the bench, then maybe that's just better than him starting. That's like <laughs> crazy to be the one team to say that about. Uh, but Thomas Bryant is out this game. He's injured. He's out this game and the next game. But it doesn't even matter. From the minutes, just don't get. You're like, oh great Mahimney, but it just doesn't work that way. Right. Like they just they just doesn't they they play matchups and they just can go small. And Chicago's been absolutely brutalized by injuries with the Wendell Carter stuff and Laurie Markinen. That that's kind of made them suffer on the interior. And that being said, I just don't know if Washington has the horses to really totally take advantage based on the minutes. Eight o'clock, Portland and New Orleans. This is the game that's going to have a lot of DFS relevance. It's got that easily the highest over/under of the slate. at two, it opens, it opened at two forty, but it's off the board now. But I think that's just because they're wondering on the status of Zion Williamson. But he's probable, so I think that ends up landing right back in that range. And that, that that's the, the offshore number is two forty. Uh, oh, yep, never mind. They just updated. So yeah, that has the biggest over/under. Pelicans three-point home favorites here. Zion is probable to play. Ingram right now is questionable. How much? I mean, how much exposure do we want to this game? Because I wrote up basically every Portland guy. Okay, um, that is rel- basically all five Portland starters. Let's put it that way: uh, Lillard, McCollum, uh, Ariza, Anthony, and Hassan Whiteside. How much? Those exposure- are the starters, yeah. Yeah. Just in case everyone else didn't know, <laughs> the, uh, they they're suffering injuries of their own. They're they've been playing very tight rotations. Are we looking at a situation where we might just want to have like four Trailblazers guys? Like the, the Pelicans match up so good, and these guys will just play forty minutes a game. They don't really have, except for Anthony Simons and maybe a little Gary Trent. They don't really have anything coming in off the bench. No doubt. Um, so yeah, what do you think? I think that's game?
1: a, I think it's a good approach. Uh, grabbing as many Trailblazers as possible. This is something I've tried to instill in our chatters over at DFSR.com. You know, we have our members only chat room, and one of the things, one of the questions we'll get on short slates oftentimes is. You know, they might say something tonight like, that's a lot of trailblazers in the lineup tonight. And it's like, yeah, exactly. Because, right. you know, we've already gone through this. There's, You're welcome. Yeah. There's, a, there's a number of teams. Like, we crossed off the first game because of terrible matchups both ways. Uh, we don't really want to play many Washington guys. We'll get to a game in a second in San Antonio and OKC that's not going to be rife with a lot of DFS plays. And then Houston-Boston. Boston's a good defensive team. And they're also very deep. So when they're all healthy, it gets pretty tricky. So basically... On short slates, things get narrowed down very, very quickly. And when you see one team in that prime spot, oftentimes the question for us is not, is this too many? But, like, it's too bad we can't play even more. Right. You know? <laughs> we, sometimes we would like to play five or even six guys from the same team. So I, I love that spot here tonight. New Orleans playing the third fastest pace of any team in the league this season, pairing that with a bottom eight defense. You know, the arrival of Zion isn't changing it that much against the favor of opposing DFS players, if anything – you know, he's capable of playing a fast pace too. So, I yeah, I'm all in on the Trailblazers. I think I'll take, take any of them. And uh, I guess my question for you would be, who would be that odd man out if you were constructing a lineup? Like, which one doesn't fit in your ideal DFS lineup?
0: I mean, on a price level, Lillard... The, what you're getting out of Lillard out of this, like uh, the recent run, is crazy. So I think Lillard is where you start because if anything, he's pri- he's priced appropriately. But he um, this guy, he's averaged like what like 37 points a game, plus like 38 minutes per game or something like crazy numbers over the last eight games or something like that. It's been a, a crazy run. He hasn't taken less than he's taken less than 23 shots twice over the last. 11 games like it's just he's just just jacking up the rafters now it has come at the expense of what McCollum's usage has been so I'm wondering a little bit of our projection on McCollum as much as like a dame bump in the short term has been pretty appropriate McCollum is just not getting as many looks right now and I just don't know sometimes it's a little weird about these short term samples to figure out like what the real story is so of the four of the five guys I'm probably at, at their current price points I'm probably most worried about McCollum because I, I don't think that there's a situation where Anthony and Ariza kill you because they're still sort of in that like lower middle tier of price t- of pricing guys, um, even though like you know Ariza's not going to get uh, crazy usage. So I, th- I guess it'd be McCollum, um, and b- only because center is so is pretty is pretty thin on this. I think Whiteside is a, is a pretty attractive play. So I guess him and also I get I get why McCollum's like showing up in all of our lineups right now because he's just the recent run. Like how much do you make of the recent run where he just. Because if he's not scoring, you're really in trouble on his price. Yeah, he does nothing. Right, so I don't know, like, where do you land? Because I I get a little worried seeing the name, and I'm not sure if I'm just too much box score watching on a guy like McCollum. But it's been a lot, a lot of box score watching, because it's been this, this Lillard run, there's clearly been a, ma- a shift in the Blazers' approach here.
1: There has. He's also got some pretty good games during that Lillard run, too. And I think it's just kind of one of the things you buy in for when you take a scoring dependent guy like McCollum you know to have this separation 21 points four rebounds less than four assists a game means that the vast majority of his DFS scoring comes from scoring and when that's not clicking the rest can sort of fall apart so but yeah even in this last you know eight games I see five that he's been a very good play on this price point so you'd figure in one of the best matchups over that course of that run that he would be fine so I, I'd be okay playing McCollum soon.
0: Yeah, I hear that, and I think at some point you want to just trust um, that the inputs are correct, and especially, you know, sometimes guys that have dropped in price look weird to play because they dropped in price for a reason, and not doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be correct long-term, so I hear that. What about the Pelican side? Zion is probable to play, sat out last game. Ingram's questionable. Zion's still 7,200. I'm wondering what you think the real minutes are for him. I think that's where it becomes most important for, really, like, if it's... 33 minutes then 7,200 in this matchup feels like a great play if it's 29, right? Like, I, I get a little bit worried. And I also, just knowing that it's never going to be 38, right? Like, with Drew Holiday, you're like, okay, if I set him at 35, I might get 38 minutes out of him, right? 39. Um, and you can say that about a lot of different players. You cannot really say that about Zion Williamson. I do get a little worried about those kinds of situations where I'm never going over. And if I go under, I might be re- in real trouble, you know what I mean? Like, I, like it, there's a, the, and I can give you a long list of guys. That get, like, the, basically all the Blazers. I'm like, if I set up at 37 minutes, they could play 42, right? Like, that's just kind of how they're never going to play 33 unless they're getting killed. But I get worried about guys like Zion, who I'm never going to get the top and the minutes upside, which means he needs to really make hay every minute that he's in there.
1: Yeah, we've seen guys like this in the past. Actually, Whiteside <laughs> was like this for for many years, although he's flexing into a, a more prominent role with the Trailblazers now. I, I share your concern. I think. I think. You know, at least some of White or Williamson's price right now is based on forecasting that he will get into a 33- to 35-minute rotation at some point soon. We've seen the Pelicans have understandably been reluctant to do that. We actually haven't seen Zion been, while he's has a lot of flashy plays on his resume so far, it's not like he's been truly explosive on a fantasy points-per-minute basis either. So the $7,200 price tag seems pretty fair. If there is a case to be made for playing him, though, tonight, It's just the fact that Portland really is one of the best matchups in the league for opposing fours, right? I mean, this is already a team that's sort of cheating it a little bit, trying to play Melo and Ariza at this stage in their career, uh, trying to pair those guys up against the truly good fours that are around there in the league. Like, that's been a real struggle for them this season. We know Whiteside, while he gets a lot of blocks, can oftentimes be sort of indifferent defensively. That doesn't pair well against a super high-energy you know, double-jump guy like Williamson, so... I think this is actually a terrific matchup for him, and while I would be thrilled to be off Zion Shock for probably many of the Pelicans games coming up here, I wonder if this is one, especially on a short slate, where we can still find room for him.
0: Yeah, I think that's probably... What, and pa- the other thing is, I'm a of power forward is once again just terrible. Yeah, terrible. that's it. It's, it's like, what's well, do we want to play Favors? Well, Favors had a nice game when he really hasn't done much since Williamson has come around. No, you can't play him. And so, and then you get like Kawhi, and then we're going to get to a couple power forwards here in the San Antonio game. But the, the position just overall is very weak. All in all, though, this is the game that you are want to have exposure to. Keep an eye on the Ingram news. Josh Hart got the start last game for him. Uh, well, that will probably make a difference. Drew Holiday is the last guy. Holiday is interesting because his fantasy points per minute production has not really dropped off since Zion's come around. What have dropped off is the minutes. Like he has really not played a lot of minutes like he was playing a ton. And I wonder if they just started to of said, you know, we played you so much to start the year and now with that we're getting a little healthier, it's time for us to dial it back a little bit because his minutes over the last, let's see, six, he hasn't played more than 34 minutes in the last seven games. And at some point, and that's not game script issues. That's just kind of what I, I, you know, I think you know, 35, 36 minutes is probably where they want to be with him because I think they probably felt like they overtaxed him early in the season. So just keep an eye on that. The price has come down a little bit, but I think it's been mostly for good reason. Other 8 o'clock games, San Antonio goes in and plays OKC. The big news here, DeMar DeRozan was a very late scratch uh, in two, in Monday night's game. They're on the, the Spurs are on the back-to-back. He had back spasms, and it wasn't even announced till basically right at tip off that he was going to sit the game and is now doubtful for this game. Uh, it, with the usage bump, with a you know some on court, off-court stuff, Lamarcus Aldridge is the biggest benefactor of or beneficiary of when DeRozan's off the court. 30% usage rate when DDR doesn't play, took 25 shots last night in the loss to Denver. I get the sense that San Antonio is still very much in win-now mode, which would make Aldridge, I think, even on the back-to-back, safe on the minutes. Do you see him as... I feel like he's close to a lock play, even though this is a terrible matchup against OKC. Yeah,
1: that's the. this is the really tricky spot here, right? So I don't think the minutes are too much in danger. Uh, the last back-to-back, he hasn't played many of them, um, just because the Spurs haven't been in the position to play very many of them. But he played t- 32 minutes against Phoenix, on January 20th, and that was the last second half. Oh, I'm sorry. He played 30 minutes against the Lakers uh, recently, too. But, you know, going up against the Lakers is a whole different animal. I think that his minutes are pretty safe here. I think the usage is probably pretty safe. It really is essentially the worst matchup in the league for opposing power forwards, and that would be what would give me pause here. Uh, And by the way, hats off to OKC, just another team I want to shout out as saying, like, this is what I love about this season is this team comes out of nowhere. And I think I heard something... It was on one of bill simmons podcasts but uh or maybe it was the ryan russell one nonetheless they were talking about how okc had this whole plan laid out for chris paul when he got there like yeah we're gonna rest you and we're gonna you know find time for you to you know try to get healthy and he was like f that basically i'm gonna play and we're gonna win and he just like right. went out there and he's like leading this team he's like nurturing sga along like i don't know this year has been a big markup for chris paul's legacy in my book but uh but yeah, OKC, yeah, literally allowing the very fewest fantasy points to opposing power forwards this season. And you hate to see that <laughs> if you're trying to run Aldridge, who is sort of hit or miss at this point in his career. But uh, he might still get over the finish line, though, because like you said, power forward so bad. Not sure if we want to invest up to Kawhi tonight. And Aldridge still is pretty darn cheap, right? Like we we've paid 8000 for him this season. So 7100 on FanDuel doesn't look too bad.
0: I, I will say, yeah, along those lines with the OKC, though, this is what's going to make the West playoffs awesome because... If they're like the six seed or something like that, oh please, please go up against the Rockets or the Rockets I'm or sure. the Clippers or like any of these teams, right? These are going to be good matchups. So you do not want to face, you don't want to face the OKC in the first round, even with home field home court advantage. Like that's oh uh, they're flying around on defense. They just had their Chris Paul's barking at you, and you're just going to get selling f- your point Right, again. you're going to get forty minutes out of that <laughs> that that core of five guys with Schroeder coming off the bench. Like that's a pretty scary proposition, and they can really defend. And so I don't know. Yeah, this is a <laughs> I would not want to be in a situation. And Dallas is the same way. But a lot of these teams, this is the West is going to be awesome. But really outside of that, Laker, outside of that Memphis uh, team, the Lakers all have probably that first, that, the, the top seed locked up. Okay, uh, on the OKC side, they're fully healthy right now. I get why the system is calling out guys like Gallo and guys like Adams. They're not overly exciting plays, and they're not really overly expensive. And so like, you have no upside on Adams at all. But if he's going to play thirty minutes, it's hard to see him totally destroying you at five thousand on Fanduel. He's got—he was a weird one because I get why the system kind of likes him. He really hasn't been there fantasy production-wise. But the set, the, the position is so terrible that I think you maybe just end up defaulting to it. Get any thoughts here on the OKC guys?
1: Yeah, I think it's probably a, a tragedy of the commons on some level. You know, team's healthy, team is good. Has been this way for a while. Guys are priced sort of appropriately and you know like we played Gallo geez, at f- i think it was like 5700 against Boston and that felt like a little bit of a stretch he ultimately wound up being fine but given that the prices keep ticking up it's getting less and less easy to justify sticking them in the lineup um also just cuz like we talked about earlier there're just plenty of teams with good matchups today so right. um maybe you sneak in a gallo but i he yeah well and actually Steven Adams just another big problem this season has been center on FanDuel right. uh there's been a lot of a lot of nights where there weren't a lot of attractive centers. And while you'd like to play Whiteside, that's a lot of money to spend. And it just might not be a night. Like the difference between Whiteside at 8800 down to Harrell at 5600 Like some nights, you just can't afford a $9,000 center. So uh, Adam's in consideration for me there
0: as well. The final game on the slate is Boston and Houston. Uh, this game has a two th- opens at a 231 over under with Houston slight favorites at minus 2. Uh, one of the, again, one of more interesting stories of the year where they basically just said we're going to do our own thing here. We're going to play PG Tucker at the five. We're going to bring in another wing. Capella's out the door. They it's been kind of working to some degree, and I don't know. I it's, it makes it a little weird for me to kind of because we have to shift some of our metrics on like sort of how this team defends, and they still had defended okay because they'll play. They'll basically if you can't play defense as a center, like you're off. You're off the court. Like there's not enough to take advantage of the of the Rockets this way, right? Like you can't you can't do the thing like, oh, we'll just run everything through our, our big center and hope that, you know, he can kind of just kind of crush these guys. It doesn't really work like that. Like they kinda of force you they kind of force your hand unless you have other level kind of guys on your team. And it makes it a little hard to figure out like sort of where to go. Yeah, uh, so
1: I let me let me take issue with that just from like a if we're just talking basketball, I don't know if for DFS out, this all shakes out. But like look at that Phoenix game, right? So they the Rockets accomplished sort of their goal because actually Phoenix is one of these teams with an offensive center in Aiton where you're like, geez, how are they going to defend Aiton? Well, we saw that they didn't need Aiton because they were up by 20 in the first quarter and they never looked back and they wound up winning by 36, right? So the Rockets presumably got Phoenix right where they wanted him, right? Got this big center off the court. Aiton plays 23 minutes and they still got rolled. Right, <laughs> And I don't know. I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the, the Rockets experiment so far. I It does not scare me at all, and I think actually going up against Boston, this is like not the team they were making this move to deal with, right? Like they're not going to like get underneath Boston with all their rangy wings and you know just a lot of switchability there for Boston. I I don't. I think it's a terrible matchup for Houston. I think Boston should uh, be in a good position here.
0: Yeah, my only, I guess, the the flip side of that is none of those games. I think only one of these games they played at full health. That was against Denver. Like, uh, the, either Harden or Westbrook has sat out one of those previous five games. So, um,
1: Oh, Utah. The, the very last game they all played, and they got beat by Utah. I mean, it was by one point. But.
0: Oh, I'm looking at the wrong game log. Jesus. Okay, never mind. Um, I, was, I, was, I was looking at this thing. I'm like, wait a second. How do these, these losses don't add up? And I'm actually looking at Phoenix's uh, game log instead of so, <laughs> That would make it tricky. That was like <laughs> that was uh, the old uh, professionalism piece of just like just looking at the totally wrong thing, and then making a point, and then going to walk it back. Uh, I, well, I guess Utah, it's...
1: interestingly, by the way, did leave Gobert out there for 37 minutes, and it didn't. I mean, he's different because he's such a defensive presence down low, and he's not out there for his scoring or whatever, but he gobbled up 15 rebounds and made the Rockets look pretty short.
0: Yeah, in a, in a, in a one-point game. So that was the up but they had won the previous ones before. I don't know. So I, I guess I, I, it's wait and see. I'm not sure if it has, like, I guess the, the hard part is figuring out from a DFS relevance piece where it goes. Now, the Celtics probably aren't the team that it really matters with because they don't really want to close with the center anyway. So, like, whatever. They're going to close with, like, Tatum at the five. Tatum's been awesome over the short term, uh, by the way. This team is pretty fully healthy. Out, the the Celtics with Jalen Brown coming back. It looks like Kemba Walker's still on something of a minutes limit, which I need to just probably honor until we hear word otherwise. He hasn't really played more than 30 minutes since coming back from the injury. Uh, anything to see in this game? Uh, this game has a high total I don't tend to want to play a lot of Rockets when they're healthy. Eric Gordon is out this game, but with Russell and uh, and Harden back, I don't think that that's probably the place we want to go considering their prices. Uh, what about? Yeah, you know, let's just talk DFS from this game's perspective.
1: Sure. So I, I think starting with Houston, I don't see a path towards playing a lot of Houston guys against a pretty tough Boston defense. I just don't think you need them. I think a lot of these guys are also expensive. Covington six thousand now. Like you're just not. Not going to do that, I don't think, on FanDuel. Boston, I do think, is interesting, especially if Kemba's on a minutes limit. I think that does open up room uh, for guys like Brown, Hayward, and Tatum. If Kemba randomly comes out and plays 36 minutes, that's going to start to create some difficulties. Uh, But ultimately, I just don't think you can fade Boston altogether because Houston just does qualify. as one of the good matchups on this slate, right? You know, they're basically dead even in the pack in terms of overall defensive efficiency while playing the second fastest pace. So this is not a matchup you can ignore, if you don't think your team is going to get blown out. And I don't see why Boston would feel that way.
0: Yeah. Um, so you get it. Just the, the weird thing with the Celtics for me, from a DFS perspective is where you land guys like Jalen Brown and Hayward, really all their core guys when everyone's healthy, right? Because they, they've spent a lot of minutes this year with a, one of the, one of the four, I'm, I'm not going to include Marcus Martin, this group, but one of the four of Tatum Walker, Jalen Brown and Gordon Hayward off the court. And so what happens there is you need to kind of make an adjustment for, what their season numbers look like when they're all on the court. And that's, that's the one part where I get a little sketchy about wanting to play them because you can get a situation where they will just run like the hot hand in terms of scoring at times, right? Like, like last game, Tatum took 19 shots. Walker took 16. Now, Jalen Brown got up 17 shots, but you really just lose. You lose so much along the margins with the other stats too and a little bit from the minutes. So that's the only part where I get a little concerned about running any of these guys. And I think that Tatum, while he's been very good, I, it's hard to see him sustain like some of these usage rates when he's just playing with his team. So I think this would be one I'll let the numbers bear it out, and I am going to just make an adjustment, make sure that we're fully adjusted for what the Celtics look like when they're completely healthy. I do think we have enough of sample size on that to, to make a good case. Okay, we're gonna get out of here. DailyFantasySportsRankings dot com is the site. DFSR. .com for short you can sign up for a free trial to our projection service it's powered by our good friends over at lineup lab optimal lineups for FanDuel and DraftKings NBA NHL baseball coming right down the pike which is crazy also gives you access to our boy Chris Terrell's uh content that he's been putting up there in Chris's corner go check that out and obviously access to our members only chat room we're in there every night before lock talking basketball talking whatever slate is coming up there uh trying to like you know just use use some not group think but use a uh, Use everyone's knowledge and try to answer questions. And and I think it's a really good experience that I don't think you're going to get a lot of other places. So DFSR.com slash deals will get you started. It's a free trial. Try it out for seven days. Buddy, enjoy your Tuesday night in basketball. Peace.